This is a HeadGum Podcast. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Bite clear liners are doctor directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Bite.com. That's B Y T E.com. Start your confidence journey today with Bite. We listen to Kademan's call, and we're going to talk about it today on Good Christian Fun. My butthole's tingling all the time! Do you think you can make God laugh? No, bitch. Little mischievous boy. You're a clown if you say so. I'm a Christian wife. <laughs> Sicario. I'm a Christian wife. White women are notoriously shifty. I'm a Christian wife. You should be upset that I had a laugh with her! Clean up on aisle butt. glad we're recording a uh, video welcome to good christian oh fun. my god i'm, I'm kevin <laughs> turn that video off i'm caroline and we're here to have good christian fun that clip you heard at the end folks was in fact <laughs> caroline ely nay chick when she when she recorded that 11 years right? ago in yeah. her acapella group at ucla which was called random voices and, random voices. And it was so random, oh. and, and it was a cover oh. of Ingrid Michaelson's The Chain. There are two different performances of that song, which oh, you wow, can find on YouTube, uh, which oh, I think is boy. tremendous. And the joke's on me because, Caroline, you sound terrific on it. You're the <laughs> well, featured soloist. You. I thought you sincerely sounded great. And now the most recent comment on the YouTube video is, the soloist looks like she'd make a great host for a Christian pop culture podcast someday. <laughs> <laughs> Top comment. Um, thank you, Kevin. I was, I think, 2019 or 20 years old at that point in my yeah. life. Um, but you know what? I am, I am proud of that solo. Thanks for bringing it back. Yeah. Now, um, could you give us just a little taste of... of- <laughs> <laughs> Wait, were you a feature soloist on anything else from from no, that time? No, it was just that. Just that. Um, yeah. And then you quit. Normally, like you're not really supposed to get a solo as a freshman. And again, I'm I'm not trying to bring this up, but like Ooh. it kind of was a special case. Man, uh, you were a yeah. freshman in college when I was when I was graduating. That's uh, that feels yeah. bad. Oh, well, you but you graduated early, right? We're yeah, I was I was winter two thousand nine, but still oh, okay. Um, but yeah, that the videos of that are like i mean there's the, i still think the singing is pretty good but like the movement is so cringy because acapella <laughs> if you don't have choreography it's just like the bounce and it's like <laughs> it's so gross i i really 
I really can't stand it. But like, you can't help it when you're up there. There's nothing else to do with your body. Y'all were rocking out, but instead of to, you know, <laughs> drums, it's to Ingrid Michaelson. Yep, that's right. Yeah, you try to jam to that. Hey, you know what? No shade. I sang Ingrid Michaelson at both of my siblings' weddings. While playing a ukulele, folks. And that harmonica, right? No, that was for that was for Revelation song, uh, the Carrie oh. Joby thing. Is there video of your wedding singing? There is, and you'll never find it. <laughs> is it on YouTube? No, mm, no, <laughs> I don't All think right. so. GCFers. All right, good you Christian fun. It's the Christian pop hack. culture podcast <laughs> where we talk about Christian pop culture, the movies, and the music and the entertainment. Made for and made by Christians. We're not here to make you go to church. We're not here to make fun of your beliefs or bash them either. We're just here to have good Christian fun. And the topic for today is uh, we got to answer the call. The phone's ringing and <laughs> ring-a-ding-ding. It's Kateman. They're calling Hello, for it's us. Kateman's call. There's a, a billion of us. <laughs> We're all on the phone. <laughs> Hello. It's a, it's a conference call. Everyone's talking over each other. They say, no, I'm sorry, Derek, go ahead. No, I'm sorry. Oh, no, I... Oh. Danielle here. Uh, (laughs) Can I say something, Kevin? Yes. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Cold Brew and my new Rihanna shirt that I got off Etsy that I'm wearing today. It feels really good. It it looks like a bootleg shirt. Uh, It It is for sure bootleg. It It says Rihanna at the top. It says bad gal at the bottom. And it's it's like the funniest selection of photos from her like not iconic photos of her <laughs> i'm not sure where they're no, from no 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 um, no it looks like the but I kind of page of like google images yes <sighs> and i i kind of grew out of my old rihanna flag shirt so i kind of needed a new one and it, it helped it helped today and this is growth i'm really uncomfortable that you're video recording all of this i don't know what you're gonna do with this footage and i don't trust it's just you. for our archival purposes and it's just for no. if we ever want to put out little little breakouts for social media for like when i do <laughs> wait, wait this is the first time you're video recording the show yes. no that's not true no we video recorded uh last week's episode the take six episode well i didn't know about that it said recording the whole time well, I don't pay attention famously, Wait. so why do you think I was going to know that? <laughs> Did you sign a permission release, Caroline? I said no release, anything. and Kevin is for sure going to like 3D render my face and then no. like substitute that as the new podcast host and then kill me in my sleep or something. It'd be so funny if <laughs> I gonna did. He's going to have like, this running for years if, after my death. If it was my square and then Amy, our guest square, <laughs> and then Caroline's square was like claymation or some kind of AI like some grotesque nasty <laughs> little cg monster yeah that'd be terrific like, perfect uh, but no it's for voice. social and it's for fun and you know if, if we make a little silly visual i i wish we had video recording for some of our recent zoom episodes like us listening to hallelujah the jeremy camp uh <laughs> version i would have killed to have recorded yeah. that video yeah. it's good for backup if we need it. But the band is Cademan's Call. I feel so bad for making her wait this long. We 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 do have a very special guest we have to introduce who's at a different time zone than us, but friends and folks, she is a writer. She's a teacher. You can get her new book, Where Goodness Still Grows, Reclaiming Virtue in the Age of Hypocrisy. Give it the hell up for Amy Peterson! Hey. Hello! You know, I've been on stage with Amy Grant before. How? How? When I was two years old. 
Yeah. You were two? I was two. This was in Tulsa. Kevin, you weren't born yet. Uh, <laughs> you, you don't know oh that God. for sure. I might have been uh, around. I'm pretty sure I do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, my dad was a, he worked at a Christian radio station and Amy Grant came in to do a concert and he was the MC. And he yeah. brought me up on stage with him to introduce her. And I sang El Shaddai. <gasps> oh, my God. So this was kind of your random voices solo freshman I mean. year moment of your life. <laughs> I That's did text so him today to ask Caroline. if he had video, and he did not. So sorry, guys. Oh Damn. You know, speaking of which, Amy Grant, she was on Good Morning America this morning. As of this morning? Uh, today that we're recording this, yes. And she did a little Zoom interview with Robin Roberts, and she was talking about her open heart surgery that she just recently had. And she said, well, guess what? Now I have tattooed cleavage for the rest of my life because of her <laughs> scar on her chest. Wow. She... Tattooed cleavage. Oh, like, oh, Because like it's, it's a, a line right in the middle. <laughs> and it's right there. Like, it's it's right at the top of her She's chest. She's such a hoe. I love it. She needs <laughs> to write a song about that. Tattooed cleavage. <laughs> <laughs> the crease cleavage. of my chest. <laughs> she's pu- she's pushing sixty, and she doesn't look a day over it. No, she's glowing. She's stunning. Uh well, speaking of Amy, Amy, thank you so much for joining us on the show today. <laughs> Welcome mm. back, Amy. Nice, Flown great back. transition there. It's been two years. How's your life changed in two years, other than where you're living? Oh my gosh. Um, well, I'm now becoming a priest in the Episcopal Church. Okay. So Holy smokes. What is this process that? like? It's a super long process in the Episcopal Church. Um, last time we talked, I was teaching at a private Christian college in the Midwest. Mm-hmm. That's right. We don't need to name it. We don't need to name names. But Liberty University. the last I'm year that I spent there, they invited Mike Pence to come speak at commencement. Commencement is what they called it. Actually. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he, they invited him, he got the email, and he turned and said, Mother, may I? And she said, yes, you may. Do you think may. he said, you'll he, be six grand pence, none the richer. Do you think he'll be allowed to debate dead. Kamala Harris? I mean, without another... Yeah. Well, as long as she's in eyesight. Right? Uh, oh, okay. As long as she's in eyesight. I guess I that's, yeah. Yes. Separate rooms? He'll have maybe? like a little lifeline that he can buzz if he feels uh, th- sexually threatened <laughs> in any way by his own feelings, I guess. I think he's going to feel threatened pretty quickly. Yes. Much, much to look forward to. Uh, yeah. <laughs> between... So you were teaching at uh, Pence Home Base number two. <laughs> and then... So what, when did you leave that? That gives you some sense of why it was time to leave. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but about the same time, yeah, I had several people asking me, have you ever thought about ordination? And I was like, <laughs> no. <laughs> and then, um, then it felt like, you know, not to get too spiritual right away, but God was saying, this is yeah. a question I would like you to take seriously. So um, talk to my priest about it. In the Episcopal Church, you like you set up a year-long discernment process with a group of people from your church. You have to get like a full psychological evaluation, mm-hmm. and then you have to go to seminary. So now here I am, Duke Divinity School. Oh my gosh! Doing seminary. Oh my gosh, that is like profoundly comforting to me <laughs> that they have this kind of vetting process, and well, and too that you made it through at least the psych eval. Way to go! You tricked them. And but. in honor of this, Amy, we um, 
uh, we were kind of just kidding. We did know that this was the case, and we do have prepared for you a little tribute song that we'd like to play for you now. Uh, <laughs> here, here we go. <laughs> oh my gosh, this is amazing. I had a dream as a girl, like Teresa of Lisieux. I need to give this a whirl so I can lead the way. Woman priest is my call, women preaching for all. Don't listen to St. Paul, because I can lead the way. My <laughs> I, I actually saw this a few years ago. I love it so much. Oh, oh perfect. I was baptized, and this is crazy. Okay, uh, so yes, we, we wanted to share that yeah. in honor of your ordination upcoming. <laughs> Thank you. What, That's so meaningful, what? you guys. <laughs> what is the timeline for that? What, what, when, when does that Seminary happen? Seminary is three years, so I won't be ordained for two more years. But I feel fine about that because I do think this is what I'm supposed to be doing, but also... It's kind of freaky. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I, I'm curious as to like what compelled you and and how you felt led to this decision in particular, being an author and, and, a, and a yeah. teacher for so long, how, how you felt like you could maybe best serve or best be used in this different role. Well, I think that writing and teaching are pretty natural gifts like that flow in with the priesthood or pastoral ministry. Um, but the thing that I think the thing that led me to this decision ultimately was that as a teacher, I kept having students who were coming to me and approaching me as if I were a pastoral figure and then sharing things with me that you really don't share with your college professor, but with your pastor. And when that happened and um, I got to sort of counsel them through big things, like I had students coming out to me at a you know conservative Christian liberal arts college and... Um, just, yeah, sharing really intimate things with me. And when I was able to counsel them, it felt like I was doing something, like it just felt right, you know, and that I felt almost limited by my role as a professor by how I could minister to my students. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, so you were kind of naturally hitting a ceiling as far as your efficacy goes within those roles. Yeah, I think so, yeah. I still like I still definitely have some reservations about the church as an institution mm -hmm. and the Episcopal Church I love in so many ways. And I mean, as you were saying, Caroline, I think they have this huge vetting process for ordaining people, which I think is so important, mm -hmm. especially in institutions for there to be some checks on power. Um, but yeah, all institutions are kind of messed up. And the Episcopal Church has some horrible history with like race. Oh, uh, the church I'm working at right now has, like, it's on land that was donated by a notorious slaveholder. And, Gosh. like, mm. what do we do with that? But they're doing good things and, like, having really important conversations with people about that and, you know, changing the names of some buildings and working through racist history. So I guess that's maybe the best you can hope for an institution to confront its own failures. Can I ask what were... What were your like initial reservations going into this role and this process and kind of like where you've landed on them now? Well, part of it was that I think growing up conservative evangelical, I had never seen women in ministry, right? And I had never had a female pastor or priest. And 
the model I had seen most often in those churches of what pastoral leadership was, was super off-putting to me. Mm. So it was like a really charismatic white man who is sort of unapproachable Mm -hmm. (laughs) and like can make some jokes on stage and like, you know, seems a little bit phony, but (laughs) he can get a lot of people (laughs) to donate money. And yeah, yeah, like it just wasn't, um, that was not something I ever wanted to be. But then for about the last 10 years, I was going to this Episcopal church where the priest was nothing like that. He was like bearded and self-deprecating and kind of quiet. Zero charisma. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) Father Jim, if you're listening, that's not what I'm saying. Whoa. Get specific. Name names. (laughs) Not funny. No jokes. No, I I, I hear what you're saying. Yeah, not is like uh, not a star. You know, the way pastors can be. He was humble. He like was listening to the congregation and sort of helping them live into their gifts. And he was all about reconciliation work, racial reconciliation, um, like gender stuff. So it sort of gave me a different model for what the priesthood could be Mm. and what leadership could be more nurturing. Um, And, and so that helped me sort of get through those hurdles too. Yeah. Yeah. Do you see yourself as that? Sorry, Kevin, I I saw you were about to ask a question. (laughs) No, no, no. I I was just about to sing. Uh, It was off topic. (laughs) You have another YouTube Mm -hmm. queued up. Um, Oh, shoot. I was going to ask. Oh, do you see yourself in this pastoral role, like being a speaker, like someone that is giving sermons on Sundays or a little bit more of like the counselor one-on-one aspect that like kind of drew you to it initially? I guess I love both of those parts, actually. It turns out I really love preaching on Sunday mornings. Mm, yeah. um, and that like connects really well with my writing work too, mm-hmm. um, sort of crafting communication, that sort of thing. Yeah. And maybe that's, I mean, that sort of touches on one of my other hesitations about this whole thing is that I, um, I like teaching, I like pastoral work and relational stuff, but in some way a priest also has to be like head of a little organization and like think about a budget and like all of those kind of administrative things. That's the part I'm less sure about. Um, I have to make a promise to obey my bishop. Hmm. I think because I'm so unfamiliar with the denomination as a whole, I I have so unclear a picture of what Episcopal priesthood looks like in 2020. So just as a summary for me and anyone else who might be wondering, what like at the end of this and after the end of the three year ordination process, what would at its in its ideal deal role and function what would it look like i mean it can look like tons of different things honestly after i'm ordained i could be like a college campus pastor or i could be an associate priest at a church that has a couple of priests on staff and i might have like one particular area that i would focus on just like in a in a regular church Mm -hmm. (laughs) um or it could be that like There's a small, more rural Episcopalian church that can't afford a full-time priest, but they can afford somebody half-time, and so you're pretty much just leading Sunday services, and that's like your half-time job. It could be all kinds of things, Um, and I don't even know which of those I want it to be yet. Yeah, you're like, uh, yeah. I I wonder what you would gravitate towards more as far as like 
how your background would apply to it and kind of the things you've enjoyed doing in the past. Yeah, I think that the Episcopal Church can be a super welcoming place for ex-evangelicals. I think a, a lot, my, my Episcopal Church in Indiana was that way. A lot of people who grew up conservative evangelical and felt burned by it were able to find a really like healthy home in the Episcopal Church. And since I grew up that way too, I could definitely see myself being in a church that's sort of like that, a haven for people who've been hurt by the church, yeah. but still yeah. want to find hope there. Yeah. On a spectrum of, of progressivism, where does the Episcopal Church lie in in relation to maybe other denominations or other like mainline, yeah. I mean, probably the only denomination that is more progressive than the Episcopal Church would be like the Unitarians. <laughs> okay, so so Episcopals right there on the edge then. <laughs> yeah, I mean we've been <laughs> we've been ordaining women and queer people for um, some time now. Okay. Yeah. And, and working for racial reconciliation are, so the like leader of the Episcopal Church in America is the bishop, and that's Michael Curry. He's, you may know him as the black man who preached at the wedding of, um, at the royal wedding. <laughs> what? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that guy. Yes, I was like, oh, this must be her pastor or something like that. Like, nope, he is the archdeacon of- Yeah, he's the yes. head of the Episcopal Church. He is the head, okay. And it's just in America, or, or like, is this worldwide? So the the Episcopal Church, the way it happened is um, when, well, it's the Anglican Church in England, and then, like, American Revolution happened, and so we couldn't still have the Anglican Church here in America, so we became the Episcopal Church. <laughs> right, okay. I vaguely remember this now, yes. Yeah. What is, what is music like in Episcopal services? Now I'm just asking Episcopalian <laughs> Do people sit in a square or do in they, a circle? Do they have chairs? <laughs> Bathrooms. Do you have them? <laughs> pews. We got pews. We got kneelers. We got hymnals. Okay. okay. Following. So, yeah, the so music is, legit, is like legit. some very old hymns that, uh, well, actually here in North Carolina, I've been going to a historically black Episcopal church and they have a hymnal they use called Lift Every Voice and Sing, mm -hmm. which has some great like old gospel-y tunes in it mm. but um but most episcopal churches that i've been in they just have the episcopal hymnal they sing very old hymns with an organ <laughs> and, <laughs> and i like actually really appreciate that and, um, and for yeah. people that uh because it has been a few years uh that that just w might want a, a quick refresher on your background in religion and faith Again, how how did you grow up with with? Religion? Yeah, and you know, last time I was just on second service, so. But yeah. I believe that was on the main feed. I think. Oh, was it really? Yeah, that was one of our first ones before we became uh, capitalist pigs and put it behind a paywall. <laughs> Gives your money. Yeah, oinky oinky. Yeah, so my parents were raised. My mom was raised Catholic. My dad was raised maybe sort of Methodist. But they would tell you they became Christians in college, and um, they met as Young Life leaders. Oh, so awesome. you know who else met in Young Life? I found out who. Uh, freaking uh, Katy Perry, uh, Lindsey Buckingham, and Stevie Blue. Nicks from Fleetwood Mac met via what? Young Life. Yes, what isn't that nuts? So that, is that really totally weird. is. And your parents are kind of like the Stevie and and Lindsay basically, of, yes. yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Um, 
so they were born again in college and, you know, um, got married. And for most of my childhood, my dad was in Christian radio. Mm-hmm. So this was mostly, I was um, born in Tulsa, but then spent most of my childhood in San Antonio. And my dad was the general manager of a Christian radio station in San Antonio. So, and we went to church several times a week. We went to Awana. Um, so we were pretty serious Christians. I was homeschooled. My dad would bring home like Christian tapes and CDs from the radio station that he got for free advanced copies. So, you know, nice. it was pretty awesome. Pretty cool. sweet. Hey, Amy, you want to hear the new Carmen record three whole weeks before it comes You're out? You're never going to the... believe this sound. We were anti-Carmen, but oh, oh, I did oh, oh, oh. see. Yeah, we were anti-Carmen. He was too weird. I did see DC yes. Talk like right when their very first, I think right before their very first album came out. Mm-hmm. It was this big church in San Antonio was having a harvest festival instead of a Halloween, you know, a Halloween alternative. And DC Talk played, and I was like eight years old, and they were just doing their rap songs. So there were, I mean, my childhood, my evangelical Christian childhood was really happy. Like, I loved it. Adventures and Odyssey was my jam. It was all great. Um, and then when I was 11, my dad accepted a job with uh, a division of Campus Crusade for Christ called family life today. And so we moved to Arkansas for him to do that. So he was still in Christian radio, but he was the like the co-host of a Christian radio program that was nationally syndicated. So sort of focus on the family, but not as political as focus on the family was more just like, we're just about the Bible. It's a, it's a soft focus on the family. <laughs> <laughs> It's a little yeah. blurry. Give it that but it's Sandra there. Bullock in Ocean's <laughs> Eight effect. Ooh, oh Lord! <laughs> Put the right Instagram filter on Focus on the Family, and you had Family it's Life today. <laughs> Wonderful. <laughs> so, so what? Um, lots of Bible memorization. Uh, I, I started going to Christian school instead of homeschooling, and. Generally was just like swimming in the waters of conservative evangelicalism in the mid to late 90s. And I guess I bought into a lot of it, but not all of it. Like even when I was in junior high at my Christian school, boys in my class would call me a feminazi. <laughs> For what? What did you do? Oh my gosh. I think I was just smart and they felt I, I'm <laughs> sure that's, that's what it was. Like, I'm... <laughs> Now, and it cut to me in my head coming over like, did I call anyone a feminazi? Oh, damn it. <laughs> cut to a small camera and be like, if you just use logic, <laughs> you'll find out. <laughs> I'm just asking questions here, okay? <laughs> Let me play devil's advocate for a moment. <laughs> Wait, were you in my class? <laughs> I might have been. No, the annoying thing I did as a child that they didn't have, they legitimately did have to call a pastor in to address was I kept asking if predestination was real and they're like i don't know (laughs) stop bugging me oh my god and so then this guy the pastor tommy hopper had to come in and give a talk about well you know it kind of doesn't matter but maybe it is real so it matters so much like i feel like you were so right to be extremely concerned about it it's like astounding to be casual you should have been in my class because we debated predestination all the time oh yeah i would have been a part of the army (laughs) <laughs> I don't know what side I would have been on, but I would have been on pro. One. 
Yes. Pro predestination. I'm well, I'll sure. tell you which side Derek Webb would have been on, but okay. we'll get to that. <laughs> okay. We will like, get to that. Oh, gracious. Yeah, so I, that's kind of how I grew up. And then after college, I um, went to teach English as a Christian English teacher in Southeast Asia. Um, and that was a wonderful experience. I really loved intercultural living it was also like very faith shattering experience, kind of had a dark night of the soul as a result of some difficult stuff that happened there. And so after two years in Southeast Asia, um, moved back, this time lived on the West Coast. And you know what happens when you move to the West Coast? The liberals, they get you. <laughs> Don't put the video for this part up. <laughs> hey, that's right. Um, and sort of as a result of like the whole dark night of the soul thing, just kind of got a lot quieter about my faith. It wasn't that I had stopped believing, um, but I definitely had, had um, come to a point where I was humbled and realized how much I didn't know. And like all those answers that I was so happy to debate in junior high at my Christian school, you know, um, was not interested in debating them anymore. And so that was sort of like the beginning of opening up some of the some of the hardline truths I had grown up with and exploring some other options. And I think the experience of intercultural living and seeing how differently people on the other side of the world saw the world really helped me with that. Living on the West Coast where people um, just had a different sort of background and history and culture, that helped with that. I got married. Um and living with another person will also open you up to new ideas and new ways. Um, yeah. And so sort of slowly, it wasn't like a harsh deconstruction so much, but just like a more slowly sort of molting maybe and losing, shedding some things and figuring out what I could hold on to. And some of that was hard. Like it was really hard for my parents when I told them that I had different thoughts about marriage and like church leadership because they're like very hardcore complementarians and yeah so when I told them I don't believe that anymore and this was far before I ever thought about getting ordained I mean like 10 years before I thought about getting ordained I told my parents I'm going to an Episcopal church and yeah I think women can be priests I've studied it you know so some of that was hard and difficult but what was really hard was 2016 and when I saw 81% of white evangelicals voting for Trump after the way he treated women, spoke about immigrants, mocked disabled people, um, used pre-genocidal language, um, was just openly racist. And to see so many people like who are good people who raised me to believe good things, uh, to see them just fall in line behind that was really heartbreaking for me. Um, That'll radicalize you, I think. I think we're still seeing the effects of radicalization faith-wise from that year. I feel like another woman every day, like on my social media, (laughs) like like, every day another woman is like, wait a second. (laughs) Yes, thank you for seeing this now. Yeah, but it's all these people who taught us like purity is so important, monogamy is so important, and we're – 
we're not telling you this because we're trying to keep women in their place. We just want to protect and love you. And then I'm like, "Mm." (laughs) and you'll vote for this guy. Yeah, it's like, I don't even believe in those things anymore. But like, you're not even consistent about this thing. Yeah. Like, drilled into me. Yeah. And it can feel, it felt maybe at that time less like, oh, before this election, I could maybe think like, oh, we just disagree theologically. And like, there's still room for us to coexist as believers of God or whatever. And like, yeah, and, and believing, oh, they're good people or whatever. But then to see sort of an uncomplicated support of someone who's so antithetical to a lot of those beliefs is like, yeah, it's pretty jaw dropping. So uh, it's so incredible to me. It's still so incredible to me after all these years. It is. It is the like, oh, everyone was just kidding moment of our lifetimes. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Yeah, and like nationalism actually was like, I guess, the bedrock of Christian <laughs> evangelicalism like this whole time. <laughs> yeah, actually what they cared about was power and money, not life or <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. Or community. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it's it, so that was super shattering. And um, that was when I started writing this the book that you mentioned earlier, the book that came out this year, mm-hmm. Where Goodness Still Grows. And... I actually think this book is kind of like this podcast because <laughs> on this podcast, you guys <laughs> careful <laughs> from our evangelical heritage. Okay, there's less swearing in the book than there is. Okay, on the there, there we go. I think. <laughs> yeah. Wait, the book doesn't begin with like a, a sound, like a barrage of text that like disconnected and Clean about up on aisle butt. buttholes and yes, exactly. <laughs> no mention so, of buttholes. But but, but it remember. is similar and yes, it's yeah. similar. To our, it's to our similar in that I'm like looking at something from my childhood that I learned in church and I'm saying like what was there good was there good in this or was it terrible and mm-hmm. sort of analyzing it and sifting through it and seeing what's worth holding on to and what can I let go of and I feel like you guys do that on this hey. podcast too yeah we try you know yeah. and and the question like was this good or was this harmful and the answer is yes exactly yeah is that is that truly it Oh, yeah. I mean, I so in the book, I go through different virtues. So there's like a chapter on purity, a chapter on modesty, a chapter mm-hmm. on hope, a chapter on love. And yes, exactly. I find it was there was good in it and there was damage in it. And mm-hmm. a lot of the problem. Did you guys have the book of virtues in your house when you were growing up? I don't think so. The book yes, of virtues. We did. You did. I didn't read it, yes? though. Oh. Yeah. It's like this <laughs> it? big compilation um, of like fables and sayings and folktales and uh, about different virtues. It was really big in the 90s with homeschoolers and Catholics and um, general, generally conservatives. It was edited by Bill Bennett, who's like sort of a Republican operative. Is that, is that the right word? <laughs> operative? Yes, okay. Operative is, yeah, that's actually the most correct word. And this is like a book like, like the purpose driven life that people would just read as like a oh my gosh I recognize this book I knew you would oh my god we have this book oh my god yeah I mean yeah it was everywhere coming from inside Inside the house (laughs) (laughs) for the listener home the book of virtues and you can just google this obviously but the the 
cover art is a, a sort of tannish yellow and a huge book that a little boy and girl have to prop up with their it's bodies. <laughs> it's so big. Wait, so, so is this like children's stories, like a collection of children's stories kind of thing? So it's like got Aesop's fables in it and like oh, okay. old poems and a couple of Bible stories sort of retold. And yeah, so it's like a collection of moral tales. And they said that they were putting it together because they were seeing the real moral decline in our nation. And Bill Bennett said he had heard from school teachers that they needed something like this. He was talking about school teachers in Chicago, where uh, in under-resourced classrooms, right? And so to meet this need of like, we need some sort of character building resource. He put together this book that's like, I have the statistics in the first chapter of my book, but it's something like 85% of what he's included in the book was written by dead white males. <laughs> so I feel like that, though, is like emblematic of what was wrong with so much of what I learned growing up in the church is just that we were only listening to like the narrowest sliver of voices. And if we had just expanded, and that's like another main theme in, the, in this book is that we're, we're all um, sort of very fearful and very boundaried in our practice of faith and evangelicalism. And that's not what God calls us to. Like, perfect love casts out fear. And so instead of interacting with the world around us through fear, if we if we interact with a kind of openness, and instead of, like, setting up these purity codes and strict boundaries between who's in and who's out, if we're actually, like, just open and listening to other people, to other voices, if we're seeking out diverse voices, I think that that would have gone a long way to save us from this moral collapse we're in now. Yeah, that's such a good point if that – it's not even that every dead white male is, like, giving us bad intel – it's just that it's a super specific experience of the world by people who had the most privilege usually. <laughs> so yes. like, yeah, to imagine that, yeah, that like to serve an under-resourced neighbor in Chicago of people who will never experience life probably the way that these kids did is such a disservice to the, yeah, I think to everybody, the authors and the kids too and, and us yeah, yeah. So what I try to do is just like take some of those virtues and see what was harmful about it and then all and then just like expand and listen to very different people talking about that virtue from very different walks of life. And um I actually I just I was writing this book was so deeply encouraging to me ultimately because I found that even though so much was missing in my narrow slice of evangelicalism, when I opened up and listened to more voices, I found so many hopeful things. Um, if, you know, if you listen to black Christians who have had a very different history and experience of the life of faith than I have, uh, there's something very real about that experience. And, um, yeah, and that was missing from my childhood. So, so hopefully it's an encouraging book. Hopefully it's encouraging for people like me who were disillusioned and wanted to throw everything out but also can't quite throw everything out because there was goodness there too. Mm-hmm. Hey, that, that, is, that is one of the best, most elegant book plugs we've ever had on the show. <laughs> Truly, it's like it's on theme, it's segued naturally, <laughs> 10 out of 10. Like good content. And it's great. Like, no, I have to transition to, to a break it. before I ruin it. So <laughs> thank you, Amy, and thanks for sharing your story again. 
Let's take a break and we'll be right back with more good Christian fun. This HeadGum Podcast is brought to you by AuraFrames. That is right. Uh, from grandmothers to new mothers, aunts, even the friends of your life, every mom loves an AuraFrame. Holy shit, even aunts? Yes, especially aunts. Oh, well. Because it was named the best digital photo frame by Wirecutter and selected as one of Oprah's favorite things. I mean, these AuraFrames are guaranteed to bring joy to moms of all ages. I believe it. You have an AuraFrame, don't you? Yes, I actually more than believe it. I know it. Uh, I've got one for my mom, my mother-in-law, my grandmother-in-law. And dare I say your aunt? And dare you say my aunt and my aunt-in-law. Everyone's got one. Everyone loves them. I mean, Mother's Day is right around the corner, and there's no better gift than a digital photo frame. You give them the frame. It's got preloaded pictures in there. And you know what? You can update it with an app. So every time you take a new picture of a sweet little uh, person or place or thing in your life, it gets automatically sent to that frame. Exactly. And right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. Holy smokes. Excellent deal. Yeah, that's A-U-R-A-Frames.com. You use the code HEADGUM at checkout to save. HEADGUM. Nice. Yes. HeadGum. It's easy to set up. It's loved by everybody, including Oprah, including your aunt. Mm-hmm. So do check them out. That's A-U-R-A-Frames.com. Use code HeadGum at checkout to save. Damn right. And terms and conditions apply, of course. Of course. Thanks again to Aura. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Welcome back to Good Christian Fun. It's time to dive into the topic. Come on, let's go. Now, Amy, uh, one of the reasons I I thought to reach out to you again is because I did see the tweet, which you can see at Amy L. Peterson on Twitter, uh, which is TFW, which uh, Caroline knows this because she's very, very young. But for anyone else who might not know what TFW is, uh, that's that feeling when. So that feeling when you start Googling all the Christian musicians you loved in 1996 to try and see which kind of Christians they became. Oh, yes. Now, Amy, what did you find in your research? Oh, my gosh. There's so much to be found and so much that's so hard to find. Actually, Cademan's Call, of course, Derek Webb is easy to find. Derek Webb makes him easy himself easy to find for sure. (laughs) I mean, online, yeah. There, there's not, there wasn't even like a ton of coverage of Kaderman's Call when they were a band. It seems like I couldn't find a lot of articles about them or anything like that. Well, they were kind of pre-internet. I will say though, on the night that we're recording this, uh, not to timestamp it too much, uh, Kaderman's Call is doing an online show. Oh yeah, yeah. (laughs) Are they really? Yes, which they like. Derek Webb was plugging on his Instagram. Yeah, Uh, that's interesting. It's comforting. Yeah, isn't that interesting? (laughs) Wait a minute. Thrilled to have a special guest at tonight's All Cavemen's Call online show. Wait a minute. Oh no, you know what that is? That's Derek Webb. He's performing All Cavemen's Call. No, oh my God, Derek Webb, you sneaky one. DW, come on, because you know what. 
he doesn't believe in God anymore, but he can definitely still profit off of the songs about God. (laughs) I'm not a, I mean, how do you feel about that? Like, how do you feel about that as a practice? Because Jennifer Knapp also still sings a lot of her, like Christian label era songs when she when she does yeah. shows, and but uh, she hasn't like apostatized, right? No, she hasn't in the same way. But so great. <laughs> do you so, think? Do you so think anyone who us, renounces the faith, <laughs> it's like then it's game over for anything that preceded it? Oh, no, it's fine if Derek wants to profit off of those songs that he wrote. That's fine, but he does say some pretty mean things about Christians on Twitter sometimes. Oh, he does. He gets pretty extreme. Yeah, he was he was salty. married to Sandra McCracken, and they had a very public divorce. That was sad, and and yeah. I remember even pre all that when he was it was post Caymans, but pre apostasy as Amy puts it. <laughs> and, and he put out albums where he said like shit on them and people were outraged and so upset oh, yeah. how could he use that language and 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 so he's always been a bit of a let's just say a bit of a ccm deadpool always kind of pushing the boundaries a bit of an edgelord <laughs> if you will where it's like he's not gonna play by the rules or go by the book here's what sure. i'm gonna try not to say it too many more mean things about derek but I do want to say that, like, last month when Sufjan's new song, America, came out, Derek tweeted something like, welcome to those those of us who write about faith and doubt, Sufjan. And I was mm. like, um, <laughs> can you imagine being alive in the year 2020 and thinking Sufjan has just started writing about faith and doubt? I mean... Or that he needs a co-sign what? from Derek Webb is incredible. Wait, I thought Sufjan was still on Goatee Records. Like, what happened? That would also be like me tweeting at Mark Marin. Hey, welcome to the club of vulnerable conversation havers. You love here, brother, or whatever it's, the hell. Like, you need me? It's so funny. <laughs> yeah. Do you get the sense that, like, however <laughs> evangelical Derek was about his faith at the time, that's become, like, the same attitude he's brought to, like, the ex-evangelical vibe? I feel like that is so true for so many ex-evangelicals. Like, Except for they me. don't actually leave the fundamentalism behind. They just switch to a new fundamentalism. Mm, yeah. That might be true. And I've managed to uh, frog jump that completely. Frog jump. And <laughs> we all have. I am not. Yeah. yeah, I don't do that. I actually. <laughs> what I appreciate about Amy's story is when she said that she began to question things and she started to get quieter about her faith. Because I like how Caroline and I began to question things and got exponentially <laughs> louder as we went on. Through the podcast, expand our reach. I don't know. I should probably talk about it regularly <laughs> to a lot of people. Okay, yes. But the way you guys talk about it is like, hmm, I don't really know about this stuff. I Yeah, I, like, I hope it's... I know all the answers yeah. now, so... Yeah, I, I keep, I always try to keep us, however I'm feeling on a particular day, a sliver of like compassion and understanding that believers are still people, you know, and like have good reasons. Of course, yes, do. of course, of course. So of course. I know that's like a low bar, but it's important. Yeah, hey, you know what? Everyone's a believer of something, baby. Like, it's, there's no getting around that. You know what? Get that uh, out of here. Caroline didn't like that. Which you can see <laughs> really in the video. <laughs> 
Um, Amy, did you find any other interesting tidbits oh, or yes. discoveries and research? Interesting tidbits. Uh, so when I started, yes, I don't know why I had that feeling that I needed to look up my my old Christian music. Faves it's like going to your high school reunion and now. seeing how everyone yeah. turned out, I think. Or it's just like I've been at home for the pandemic for too long and I'm starting <laughs> to go crazy. I don't know. Uh, let's see. What else was interesting? Well, actually, I don't I didn't quite finish listening to the Mary Mary episode yet. So I don't know if you got to this, but one of the women from Mary Mary is a pretty big Trump supporter. Oh, no. Sorry, we I'm need so to sorry, do guys. I love Trump. Rebuttal you to don't that. love Trump? Because <laughs> we were you? like, Mary, Mary for life. We love them. We stand by them. We salute them. <laughs> One half of Mary Mary has come out with a new single. It's a remix where she sings, put the shackles back on. I'm voting for President Trump. <laughs> oh, oh, my Trump. God. Okay. Wow. Good grief. Yeah, that, oh, is, uh, that is a bummer. Yeah. That is a surprise. That is yeah. a surprise. Um, oh, no. You know, we, we got a mailing in 2016 that had a picture of, I think, Michael Tate, one of the DC Talk guys on it that was like a pro-Trump mailing. So there's I think that. that was Maybe that's what sparked <laughs> That my... was for sure. Michael yeah, Tate. I could see that. Kevin Max is like not doing that. And I feel like Toby is too slick. Oh, yeah. To get Kevin Max actually replied politics. to my tweet. <gasps> he did. Ooh, <laughs> he was see. really offended that I might have mentioned DC Talk in a negative way, and he wanted to make sure that heck? he was not lumped in with the other guys. They're three oh individuals. Gosh. They have different opinions. So <gasps> okay, yeah. gotta find I, this right more, now. This just podcast goes on. The more I do become a Kevin Max stan. <laughs> okay. I oh. also one of. Okay. Did you find it? Yes. Um, someone replied to Amy's tweet. Uh, done this a few times. Kind of scary. Amy says, DC Talk and Michael W. Smith have failed me. <laughs> Strong language. <laughs> uh, to which, mm, okay, Kevin Mack says, please don't lump me in without checking my feed. White prayer hands emoji, cool guy emoji, Rainbow emoji, Rainbow black emoji. peace sign emoji. Black hands on the peace sign. Amy Amy replies, sorry, I clarified in layer tweets. And don't worry, everyone on Twitter has jumped to your defense. Really, it was Michael Tate's words about Trump in 2016 that I'm referring to here. Totally fair. Uh, a, a proportional response to a very disproportional <laughs> response. And then I he mean, followed up and actually said, these are both my friends, and I've made it very well known that Tate and I differ on politics, but we are still close friends. I'm not really sure about Micah W's stance personally. Really? The second W, you're not sure about his stance personally? <laughs> I've never pretty talked about it, so no canceling here. What'd you say, Carolyn? I said that's pretty classy of Kevin Max. To still be friends with them? Yeah, to, to, and to state it so plainly, too. Of like, of I course think it's I very classy of him, yes. Them. And also, yeah, like I'd radically disagree. Um, <laughs> they got to go well, cruising this is again. The thing. Yeah. This is the thing. Yes, we can remain friends with the people who we disagree with about politics, and we absolutely should. But also, we really need powerful men to call out other powerful men publicly mm. because that changes things in a way that like – really makes a difference. So it's like, um, you know, Jerry Falwell was just removed as president of Liberty University. Mm -hmm. And he's been doing things for years that should have gotten him removed from that position. But it wasn't until that terrible picture came out. But then 
a Republican congressman from Virginia, like, publicly called on Liberty to remove Jerry, and that's when they did it. Weird. I just feel like if these powerful white men would hold each other accountable publicly, it would really make a difference, but they're so afraid of losing their power that they won't, you know? So their bag. Yeah, Representative Mark Walker said, yes, Jerry Falwell Jr.'s ongoing behavior is appalling. I'm convinced Falwell should step down. Yeah. Because of the yacht picture or because he was making his students come back to campus during the pandemic? I think it was more the yacht than the campus thing, which is what's sad. Uh, That's the bummer about it, too, is like his call out was over like kind of a weird moralistic belief in the first place, you know, instead of like an actual. Listen, killing kids, I obviously have no problem with. (laughs) But it's when you go on a yacht and you put your arm around a not wife. (laughs) Yeah, that's. I mean, there was that, but there's also the fact that like several key liberty football players had said in the past few weeks that they wouldn't come back yeah be- oh, wow. so I, for again money there, it's all about money there's there's yeah. there were a lot of black students who were also abstaining from returning for similar reasons but then yes it's when the football players do it it's like it's just like hubbard over at oklahoma state and the whole riffraff with uh, coach gundy over there yeah i know a little bit about sports when it's political ucla um <laughs> football players too they also like all um kind of unionized and said like we won't play unless we have all these safety restrictions in place yeah and now the pac-12 isn't even going to be doing any games anyway so good for those guys rise up and then uh, what what did your findings turn up about Cayman's Call other than Derek Webb? Was there anything? I, they haven't put on an album in 10 years, so I think it's defunct, essentially. Right. So I think Cayman's Call is actually super interesting in this way. Yeah. Because, so there's three main vocalists, Derek and Cliff and Danielle. Cliff and Danielle got married. Mm-hmm. Cliff's dad. So I'm curious if you know about Second Baptist, Kevin, because in Houston. Oh, yeah. Cliff's Ed from Young. Houston. Ed Young. Yeah. Yeah. That's Cliff's dad, right? Uh-huh. So I think Cliff and Danielle got married, had four kids. And as far as I can tell, Cliff works at Second Baptist now. That makes sense. So Second Baptist is a huge mega church in the Houston area that has a bunch of campuses. And I would attend from time to time for like Christmas Eve services if it was the closest thing and my parents didn't want to drive anymore. Uh, so yeah, Second Baptist was a huge presence growing up and, and they're from Fort Worth, like the whole band's basically from Fort Worth, but they're pretty much Houston based. So there's like a, in, in this album that we were listening to and talking about today, 40 Acres, there's a lot of allusions to Texas, even like musically it's kind of Texas and country bluegrass stuff, but totally, um, yeah, it is a very Texas, Texas band. But so I feel like this is like the two paths you can go. If you were raised in like conservative evangelicalism, very boundaryed bordered, you can either become Derek Webb, leave it all behind, Mm -hmm. burn it all to the ground or become Cliff and Danielle who get married and have four kids and stay working at the same church where his dad is always working. And Mm -hmm. I don't know, maybe they've questioned things. Maybe they've, I don't know because there's nothing online about them. Um, but the, it is but a parable, just, like you're talking about, isn't it? It's like pretty interesting that you can see both those paths so clearly from the band. Now, the other thing that I found out about them is, you know, their main one of their main songwriters. It was Derek, and then this guy Aaron Tate. Aaron Tate, yes, who didn't do any vocals or anything. He just wrote songs. As far as I can tell, he just works with refugee services in Texas now. 
like has just worked in nonprofits and refugee services and is like has no social media presence. I don't think he's married. I don't know. So to me, maybe that gives me like a little glimmer of hope that there's like a third way. It's not just like Derek or Cliff, but maybe you can just like help people. (laughs) Fully. I know. Oh my gosh. I, and that's the thing, the size of a band like this, it does have space for so many different so kinds of, of narratives within it yeah and i i my my experience with this band is hearing thankful at the time because this album's from 1999 so the second song on it thankful which is kind of the single they played it on christian radio 89.3 fm ksbj in houston and maybe in retrospect i don't know if they played it more because it was a houston band they played mm. it every 90 minutes <laughs> <laughs> pretty much <laughs> listening to the radio station if it was on you would no, hear it at least three times in the same day it was it was omnipresent and i do remember seeing them live in concert because it was for the release of the album after this uh, long line of levers which included with the ticket price a free album so this was 2001 <laughs> i saw them when they, i was 11 years old maybe at a oh, second wow. baptist church i don't know uh, but but yes, I got the the free album with that. Dang. And Amy, then, yeah, did you thank- grow up listening to them? What's that? Were you like really? In- I was asking Amy. Did you grow up listening to them and like re pretty into them? Um. So when I was, I think fifteen or sixteen is when their first album on a record label came out, and of course my dad got an advanced copy and brought right. it home for me. Pipeline. And mm-hmm. I felt very cool. Um. And it was, you know, it was different than like what was happening on KSBJ at the time, which was like that move towards very sort of poppy and worshipy Christian music. And then Cademan's Call is like, oh, we're going to tell stories and talk about our doubts. And so as a teenager, I was like, this is awesome. It's so much more real than what they play on the radio. Mm-hmm. And so I immediately ordered cassette tapes of their two independent records they'd put out before they were signed to a label. And... So there was one song, it's on their first album, but it was on one of their earlier albums too, Just in One Coffee. And it starts off like, though I'm small, I've seen things far beyond these city walls. The land is flat and it rolls for miles. And it's just about like wanting to get out of your small hometown. And I like identified so hard with that oh, as yeah. a teenager. Very Born to Run vibes for sure. Totally. So, so yeah, so I was pretty into them. Um, and then this album came out uh right when i was graduating from high school so now we know what our age difference is there kevin <laughs> hey but you know what people skip grades people get held bad grades so who knows what right. I, I graduated 2006 doesn't mean i was 18 when i did it you know so anything can i be can true. remember this this album i can remember um table for two that's the one that derek wrote that starts out like Danny and I spent another late night over pancakes. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. No, uh, truly, as far as like pancake songwriting goes, he really walked so Jack Johnson <laughs> could run uh, as far as like making pancakes in a song. <laughs> um, you remember that song, Making Banana Pancakes? Like... <laughs> you know that song, right? Yeah. I have no idea what you're talking about. The Banana Pancake. Wait, for real. Am I being gaslit right now? Banana Pancakes <laughs> by Jack Johnson. Yeah, I know it. I know it. Caroline knows it. Amy, you've never heard it. That's because I'm too old. Congrats on making our guests feel like a nerd, Kevin. No! <laughs> <Worth it. laughs> 
Wait. You know what? I don't feel like a nerd for not knowing a song called uh, Banana Pancakes. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I think. <laughs> wow, you really turned that right back around on me. Feeling like a nerd. Like, yeah, I know the pancake song. Like, I, I, I don't think it's what we think it is. Uh, <laughs> and Caroline, Wait, I assume you, you have uh, zero experience with this band at all. Pretty much, yeah. yeah okay, cool. uh, par for the course. Uh, but Amy, you said something about your friend Molly. Oh, so she would play this song on her guitar, like, in our dorm room in college. And it's a very, like, it's all, like, I don't know if I'm ever going to find the one. I'm going to be alone forever. So it was a very good, like, college feel Just, like, being Christian and being 20 in your life. Yeah. I guess maybe a life of singleness is what I'm being called to right now. (laughs) I love it because this this album is so 11. There's 11 songs on here. Perfect album length, if you ask me. Less than five zero minutes. Come on, baby. Uh, it's leavened with extremely scriptural, didactic uh, 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 songs with a lot of theology in them. And then some songs are just, I want to run away with the girl, I guess. <laughs> it's <laughs> the, the range of, of, yeah. of topic and subject matter is... Uh, uh, wild to me it's it's yeah, some crazy. of these songs it does seem like they just said to each other let's write an album about the five points of calvinism you know <laughs> well for real thankful is just uh systematic theology by wayne grudem right like <laughs> total depravity baby <laughs> i i do i do want to play part of it because uh by the way that percussion here at the beginning i believe that's trash cans that they're banging <laughs> together like trash can lids for real but this this was the hit from this album. Such a rollicking little little ditty. And then listen to the lyrics, which are so hardcore. By the way, Caroline, did you hear that? What? He had a laugh. You should be grateful he had a laugh with God. This it's just, and I, I feel like I'm not a particularly sensitive person with some of this stuff, but the, I, I, a guy cheerfully singing, we're all still born, isn't what I want from my pop music, and it felt bad to me to hear too jaunty for comfort. 
Yes. So, and it starts very like, you know, uh, kind of country songwriting. I ran across a box of letters and the road is long. And then it transitions to a hard left into, no, there's none righteous, not one who understands. And the chorus is, I'm so thankful that I'm incapable of doing any good on my own, which is, which is scriptural. Uh, and uh, well, quite heavy. Well, yeah. yeah let's get it. Let's get a priest in the makings uh, perspective on it. Yes. Oh no! I mean, well, they're quoting scripture all through all through this for sure. Mm-hmm. But there are different ways you can think about what sin means and how sin damages us. Mm. Um, Expand on that. Ah. <laughs> I was telling my husband before this started, I was like, now how am I going to be a priest in training and funny on this podcast tonight? I don't know if I can do it. <laughs> don't worry. You know, you just do your thing and I'll pop in a little, you know, everyone. Yeah, while. Caroline Keep will make fart listening. noises while you explain it. If, if that, if that <laughs> no, I think bit. genuinely this is very interesting. No, I don't, don't want to be the expert on total depravity. <laughs> Ask me again in two years when I'm done with seminary maybe, maybe i do want to be the expert on total depravity actually hey, maybe maybe you can <laughs> some you can interesting the stuff to research there yeah yeah i mean the um, next verse goes we're all still born and dead in our transgressions so now we're shackled up to the sin we hold so dear so what part can i play in the work of redemption because i can't refuse and i cannot add a thing there's right. a lot of we we talk about the genre all the time on the show but there's a lot of i'm a worm lyrics on this album yeah for sure i'm bad at this my my faith is so shaky and on shifting sands and uh i just don't understand like the first track there you go is like you take my rags and make them into robes and yeah and i'm bad and you make it good and all that stuff it's 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 a pretty omnipresent theme on this album I would have like a hundred percent connected with this album if i listened to it in college or whatever but i um it's just such a weird, even for a Calvinist, a weird way to phrase this to say I'm thankful, like there's some sort of relief in this position rather than just like, I don't know, a obedient acceptance, I feel like is the most appropriate <laughs> attitude to have about I it. I think I can kind of understand the thankful take on it because, I mean, I grew up with Calvinism, so so I know how they talk about this kind of stuff. So you're familiar with Calvinism as a concept? As a I am. <laughs> Wait, is that a drop in the in the song? <laughs> um, I know what they would say, and they would say like, "You can be thankful because you can be thankful that you don't have to earn your salvation, right? And so oh, you don't you can stop trying. You don't ever you don't have to try to be good enough for God. It's totally a gift, and that's what you can be th- thankful for. And so it's not like you're thankful that you're so bad." It's you're thankful that you don't have to on your own strength and your own power overcome the damage of sin, but salvation. Essentially that it's like not on you ultimately. It's not on you at all. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And and well, I guess like there's, there's definite relief in feeling like, Oh, I I don't have a a responsibility, I guess Mm -hmm. in some ways to play (laughs) in like the redemption of the world, but I do, but just, I don't know, like thankful that, you're not even contributing like goodness in the world. You know, it's just, it, I, it's weird because I also feel like you, Amy, of like, I was raised in this. So I like personally yeah. understand it, but also with my mind now, I'm like, I just, it doesn't square at all. And it, it's like very weird and sounds very culty, you know? 
Oh, do, it, I understand the culty nature. Uh, Car- Caroline, I, th- I think your audio is muffled on maybe like you're covering part of your microphone on your, uh, not not your microphone, but but microphone oh, on your computer. This one. Oh, you're right. <laughs> I think it's this one. Yep. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> sound there we go. Yeah, you, you <laughs> sounded <laughs> completely underwater uh, for the last so five funny. minutes. I forgot that this, you know what, let me switch earbuds then I'll do this Oh, one. wow. Crystal oh, clear so and in control. Nicer. Oh, wow. no. Yeah. I mean, I am an audio engineer at this point. I got to. The memory card's full again. Shit. Well, that's just numbers, you know, like that. Anybody can get that wrong. Yeah, it's just basic math. But the technical know-how to like problem solve. Yeah, that's what so I the troubleshooting that. on the go is what what's impressive. Amy, what were what were other songs that uh, growing up as a youth were were particularly meaningful? I mean, what a vivid picture you already painted us with uh, "Table for Two. I feel like Daring Daylight Escape is, is kind of in that vein, too. Just like a, totally. a feel-good, like, well, we're dead and dead dead. Let's go to Paris. <laughs> There's no crime or whatever. Oh, no, it's London, actually. They're talking about <laughs> The funny thing about listening to these songs now is that I think they were about Sandra McCracken. Isn't that funny? Yeah. So Derek Webb would go on to marry uh, another singer-songwriter, Sandra McCracken, and then they would later divorce... Uh, but yeah, it, it's interesting. Yes, that's. Well, I guess were they married at the time that this came? No, out? not or, yet. Okay. Mm-mm. So he was just. Yeah, so I think he was courting her. Courting. Oh, you know? boy meets girl, baby. <laughs> Come on, <laughs> let's do it. Right. Hey, Josh yeah. Harris, another. Uh, oh my gosh, Josh Harris! Surprise. <laughs> For the listener at home, Amy's giving two big thumbs up and a huge smile at the, at the mention of Josh Harris. Tipping her fedora to a fellow comrade. My dad brought home um, I Kissed Dating Goodbye, of course, an advance release copy of it when I was in high school. <laughs> you didn't know it was about to take the world by storm. Well, I did not want to ask for it because I did not want him to think that I wanted to read it. But he left it on, like, the washing machine. Mm -hmm. And so when he wasn't around, I would, like, sort of sneak in and read a little bit of it. And uh, I read it. And then I thought, nah. Even at that age, she knew. Bad ideas. She knew. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I knew, too. Even though I was, like, like, very "Mm, No, this is not going to work for me. It's like, "Mm -hmm, I would like to kiss. So, yeah. (laughs) That just just seems not smart to try to marry someone you haven't kissed. But... Um, anyway, that is neither here nor there. You know, uh, you, know uh, I like? you know, what would be a good punch up to that book title? Take dating out of it. Just I kiss goodbye. Let's normalize kissing goodbye post COVID nineteen. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna want I'm human Kevin, touch and contact once again. I can't. Oh, when it's over. When it's over. Po- post COVID nineteen. No, okay. oh. of course. Now, can you imagine kissing someone for the first time? <laughs> Do a right new now? book of I kiss kissing hello. <laughs> Oh, yeah. I was talking to my friend about, can you imagine trying to date someone new right now? Maybe you, maybe you can, Kevin. I don't know. But oh, I'm just like out. trying to make a new friend Kevin, right now. And it's hard. Like there's all these new rules of politeness. Oh, my God. How are you making a new friend right now? <laughs> I know, right? How do you even meet somebody? Well, she's my daughter's violin teacher. <laughs> oh, that's good. See, okay, Caroline, nice. get a daughter. I need a get daughter, daughter play violin. to make a friend. Yes. <laughs> Someone come teach Scampy flute and I will find a new friend. This is a, this is the equivalent of like gentlemen taking their dogs for a walk at the dog park and meeting a, exactly. a nice other person there that may also have a dog or something. And then you get to talk. Uh-huh. 
Sounds like you're so speaking Amy's from experience. No, I don't have a dog. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, I, I do sometimes take puppets to the dog park, but then they kick me out <laughs> shortly thereafter. One time when I was on Hollywood Boulevard, I saw a man holding a baby husky puppy. And it was extremely cute, but he was holding it in front of his crotch and waving it back and forth. Oh. So I'd say a subtle man <laughs> is hard to find, but I found one. And I think this is a plot on Sex and the City or How I Met Your Mother. Yeah. One, one of those shows, right? They borrow a baby. As yes. A but the, the point is using dogs or children as bait for a new friend is the, yes, the kind of moral the here in the message unproblematic no one gets hurt i think i think new friends are possible in 2020 i think i think you just really have to want it a friend of mine set me up on a group text with one of his friends and now we're friends and and we text quite frequently caroline i'm just saying <laughs> i'm just saying it's possible i mean it optimistically not as a brag <laughs> Come on. She's so happy I'm you. so glad tell. we have video I'm for this for so the listeners can finally see what I deal what you're with. Dealing with. That's what Zoom. I'm dealing with. Oh yeah, anybody can make a friend. I had one of my other many friends set me up with a new friend. It's easy. <laughs> Hey, you know, I mean, I can, we, this could go. Positivity, anything is possible. Okay, okay, we could talk about is, this. Is his name Gerbert, your new friend? Yeah, you do have to disclose that both of the friends are made of felt. <laughs> I, I, my two felt friends is what I they like there to be saying. My, my BFF, my best felt friends. <laughs> Gerbert and, and oh, Alma, okay. unfortunately. I, I walk it back. You know what? That is cool. That, thank you. Uh, and and you know what? There you go. Here we go. God's working all for good in your life. I I I will say just like on a on a musical level, I fully love every part of this album and what it sounds really? like. Really? Genre wise. Caroline. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so glad we have this. What a gift. It's just Caroline like. Sorry, <laughs> <Please>. <laughs> hey, Caroline, what do you think about the musical style on this album? Um, <laughs> you know, I'm not going to say that it did contribute to the bad mood I was rocking all day today, <laughs> but so it didn't help. <laughs> uh, okay, I'm going to... I was like, I don't know how I'm going to not bring down the whole episode <laughs> if like both of these people love Cadman's call <laughs> okay uh, I'm, I'm on my phone reading a text message Tuesday 12.50pm oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> we had a little wager going Caroline I'm sorry Fuck. <laughs> quote I keep thinking how much Caroline is going to hate Cadman's call <laughs> from Amy I literally almost texted Kevin to be like, why don't we do like Susan Ashton or <laughs> someone who Caroline's going to like, she's going to hate this band. But you guys, no. you know what? Screw you. Because literally I was listening to this and I was like, they're really testing me with this one. They are really pushing me to my goddamn limit. And then this band. We, we did have some hypotheses of, of what you might say in response to the album. One of mine is, why is this guy's voice so high? And then mm, another one was... Not a thought I had. Yeah, he's so thankful that he's incapable, incapable <laughs> of sounding like anything but a little bitch. <laughs> <laughs> 
sounds like something you, you might say. Make me sound funnier than I am. That's not true. You're this. you're no, just... that's absolutely how funny you are. That's my baseline. <laughs> and no more. <laughs> okay, that's fair. That is fair. Why'd you pick this? Because oh, listen, like this is like like this thing with the jangly guitars. It's like sixties Brit pop and what what's what's so offensive about what it? What Brit were you in? Where? Just, Not my Britain. <laughs> okay, what's your Britain? Okay, name your favorite Brit pop band. Beatles. <laughs> Dua Lipa. <laughs> Harry Styles. My favorite bands are Beatles, Dua Lipa, and Harry Styles. <laughs> British legends. Um, <laughs> oh, I don't know. I don't know if Brit pop is the right way to describe this. This was like well, just this song. Totally I don't. I don't. Sprocket wanted to be a Christian band. I think. Yeah, or, I think that's probably right. It's like has little Kamen's... indigo girls with like the jangly guitars and the harmonies. Sure, but just not nearly as good. Yeah, I in the uh, CCM encyclopedia, the comps were uh, ranging from America, Crosby, Stills, and Nash, and then at one point, the press did compare them to a humorless, bare naked lady. <laughs> I mean, with all of the scripture references and like historical references, mythological references, like there's a line, I don't think it's on this album, but, but on one of their albums about um, the opiate for the masses. It's like a Marxist reference. Mm-hmm. This is like for people who were going to love the Decemberists in a few years, but just hadn't gotten there oh yet. Oh my God, you're so right, Amy. <laughs> right? You are so right. No, there's a direct line between Derek Webb and Colin Malloy. You are a thousand. <laughs> there you go. Wandering down the track or whatever. Or it's like just for people who are going to grow up to be librarians. I don't know. So if you are a smart person, you are like this bit gets me Maybe. you okay yeah <laughs> <laughs> sorry i was burping <laughs> hey librarians are a huge part of our base i, I will say <laughs> i would have chosen rich mullins except that i also thought caroline would hate and i couldn't bear for anyone rich to mullins hate rich would, mullins i would love so i'm already so pre- pro no rich no already. kevin played you rich mullins before and you hated it oh okay you well, voted then, it off wait what do you think case. rich mullins is caroline <laughs> he has like kind of like Pretty uh, instrumental <laughs> arrangements and oh, yeah. kind of like fun, upbeat um, calls to action. <laughs> so uh, sure, yeah, yeah. I, I think you're okay. probably thinking of singing your praise to the Lord, which he wrote. I mean, he which did is write our, that our guest yes. intro yeah. song. Um, yeah. yeah, and and he does. Well, a- and also, I know that he ha- he was like has some cool, uh, you know, progressive views pretty early on for like where he was at. In, yeah, yeah, relative to the Christian space he was in, he was kind of progressive. Yeah. And, and, and yeah. he was kind of the weirdo. He never married and he Definite died tragically at a, at a young age. And uh, Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So Anyway, I, so all that to say, I chose Cademan's Call because it wouldn't break my heart if you hated them. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's weird. <laughs> well, what, what do you think? Okay, like for instance, uh, let's say... Uh, okay, let me look, go, go to my notes and say, uh, <laughs> see which song I said. This rocks, man. Uh, okay. This oh, rocks. faith my eyes. So something about the the sound of this. What what doesn't work for you about it? Is it a vocal thing? Is it a is it an arrangement thing? Is it a lyrical thing? It felt like most of their songs, what I was thinking today is like, 
It's like toothless rock and roll and then country without like any soul to it at all. <laughs> it's how I feel about it. Like it took the worst aspects of these genres and like put them in a band. That's how it sounds to me. Toothless rock and roll. So I just feel like automatically turned off and then when they start talking about like hating themselves <laughs> then I'm like extra I'm like sit down and you're like that, I'm you with know? you I hate you too <laughs> <laughs> actually we're on the same team <laughs> oh. um, that it was and I'm so I'm truly I'm sorry like I don't want to I offend or anything like oh, that, but it just was like yeah, it's borderline unlistenable for me. Um, <laughs> that to me is surprising because try. I feel like I be in and I mean this in a good way because you're not a snob and and you just like what you like. So I I mean that to say I feel like you wouldn't discriminate uh, against something that might sound quote unquote basic, but in this case. <laughs> You discriminate. Yeah, broad mass lowest common denominator appeal is usually my bag. No, I mean no. I, but- I truly was listening. To this. I was like, I don't, <laughs> I don't know how they got so popular. Like for the time, because they're, I just maybe it is their lyrics and and what those spoke to people and what that was because the sound to me doesn't sound like inventive or exciting or even imitating something that I would like better you know the way a lot of like ccm artists where i'm like oh maybe this wasn't for me but i could like get what the appeal is for them i think that might be generational though i mean i i think because they were such a college band like their bread and butter was yeah college theaters they toured with that stuff and and even their first major label debut they sold a quarter million because they had already built up the base so much by just Mm -hmm. doing colleges all the time yeah so really yeah go ahead no, it's, I mean, it's just like a mid to late 90s sort of moment yeah. when they could be loved. But I do Sweet think they spot. were a college band. I think that they um, – well, <laughs> they they actually had like a Patreon before there was a Patreon. It was called The Guild. Oh, but wow. after their first or second album came out, they had basically a fan – club that was online called oh, the guild right. yep. and they put out special albums just for the guild so it was like a very i know i know people who met their spouse through the guild message board damn hell yeah, yeah. so they had like a very devoted core group of fans in the mid 90s and i think it was like they were different than what was on christian radio And so there's like these college students who want to be different than what's on Christian radio, but don't not too different. (laughs) Still want to listen to Christian music, right? Yeah, yeah, and also probably playing to like their more like ardent beliefs at the time, the way you kind of are in college. Yeah. So you do you do like country, and you do like bluegrass stuff. Not not necessarily on principle, but you're not opposed to it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not opposed to it. But like. Like what kind of country? Like Lady A? <laughs> Lady A. No. I, actually, I probably for most of my life said that I don't like country. But I like I like, like Dolly Parton stuff and like older country in that kind of era. Mm-hmm. Casey Musgraves. I love Casey, Casey Musgraves. Musgraves. I love Casey Musgraves. Yeah. yeah. Um, she's a blast. There you go. Country with a soul, though. With a soul. <laughs> <laughs> this is a white girl. Country with a soul. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> but 
Okay, so one other thing. Because I really do think it's interesting what you guys have to say about what these songs meant to you and like what you're pulling from it. Because they were things that I wouldn't have thought of and it's interesting. Yeah. Uh, What was your one other thing, Amy? Well, it was about the song 40 Acres. Oh, sure. This is the song that closes the album. The eponymous 40 Acres. Which is all, every verse is like... I'm driving down the Texas road. Now it's a Texas sky. Now I'm in a Texas yeah, field like, of corn. This is hardcore Kevin core. Like Kevin on every podcast. I mean, I also I went to college in Texas. Did. so And I would drive from Arkansas to Texas. So yeah, this song spoke to me on that level. Like, what was your college in Texas, Amy? <laughs> I went to Texas A&M. I don't care. <laughs> I went to UT and we're supposed to be opposed, but I just absolutely don't I was care never at all. a huge Aggie. They just no. gave me the best scholarship, you know. Yeah. <laughs> that said, I never went to Texas A&M and I'm not friends with anyone who went there, but until now. Until now. Listen. <laughs> yes, so. so it's Always time to change. So you connected to it because you were on these roads so very much? Oh, yeah. Um, but listening to it this week, mm-hmm. I had a very different thought, oh. which is mm. I'm pretty sure that the title, 40 Acres, of this album and this song, do you know what it refers to? Yes, yes. Okay, that so. 40 Acres and a Mule? Yes, I think that's absolutely like reparations? it. reparations? Yes. So yeah. Th- Why? This is complicated, obviously. <laughs> After me. <laughs> right, and complicated in a way I never would have thought about in college. But what that song is doing is it's comparing like our freedom in Christ to the freed slaves who were promised 40 acres and a mule by the U.S. government. Oh, boy. <laughs> so in in the CCM Magazine cover story on Cadence Call, there's Derek. <laughs> there he is. There's all the Look boys. who's that guy the in the guys. top left. Who is that man? Like, how did you find a man like that? Hey, in be your nice. Band? <laughs> This man is in a band. Look at these guys. And in fact, (laughs) the CCM magazine has a big, nice spread of each of them. Oh, look at all their headshots. Oh my God. Yeah. I was rocking that hat too. That is someone's dad. Like, he is not in the band. (laughs) Maybe. The band just had so many people and they kept changing. There was 19 people. It was like the Christian arcade fire. (laughs) I mean, Derek Webb basically looks the same. He has not changed his style at all. So yeah. He's like, well, now he looks, yeah, he's even more like edgy feeling now, I think. Yeah, props to this man. Uh, But they did say, (laughs) (laughs) Tate says, uh, not Michael Tate, Aaron Tate, the refugee helping Tate, not the Trump helping Tate. Uh, He said, I love this line. I had heard from somebody once that the welfare system in the 1800s consisted of giving someone 40 acres of land and a mule. Uh, Tate says of the title track, a fresh metaphorical look at starting over. To me, that's a model of redemption. There's always more room. There's always a new opportunity, a new place you can go to make a new life. There are places that aren't used up. When I was writing music for 40 Acres, I knew the songs would be heard on a national level. Oh, he's talking about something else now. But yes, they do fully use the 40 Acres and a Mule. It's like, you know, the slavery thing is kind of like uh, salvation. <laughs> Caroline's face right now. The, the fact too, that like Shell he shocked. wrote he wrote this song based on someone giving him like kind of misinformation about what the forty acres was. Uh, even for. A guy He's said like, one yeah, time you know, at a the dorm early room. welfare system. <laughs> you know how social security 
was started by the Jim Crow laws. <laughs> That's what I wrote the song about. Like, oh. Now, and if you like this song, you're going to love their song, The Patriot Act, uh, which is a metaphor <laughs> for Christ. How God's listening protected. to us. Yes, that he's always listening. <laughs> he hears us. Hey, that's good. It's yeah, good. Here that for you. part's good. Uh, <laughs> anyway, it's a very pretty song, and I like it. There's redemption to be uh, found. This yeah, so acres. I mean, it's just, it's problematic now I think we know for a white man to like take that metaphor and try to use it, but even more so because the law was overturned. Like they they made the law that freed slaves would get 40 acres and a mule and they like the government established it would be like coastline from South Carolina to Florida. And then I think like two years later, the government, it was the new president, reversed it and gave that land back to the original owners, the, oh, the original owners, I mean, not the original owners who we stole right. it from, but <laughs> gave it back to the, the slaveholders. Yeah. So <laughs> so what does that say about our redemption in Christ? Jesus. <laughs> yeah, that, that becomes a much more complicated metaphor if you do play it out to its logical conclusion. That actually might be extremely smart if that is actually what they were going for <laughs> oh it's actually incredibly subversive and and they were forward yes. thinking and ahead of their time yes for... like Derek webb was becoming evangelical before he even knew it he was like follow the money you know and the Shit. money oh, wow. 40 acres <laughs> Shit. oh boy well um, okay hmm. damn Dave, Dave, Dave. I'm trying and to Texas. think of what the equivalent would be now as far as like uh, appropriating um, yeah. black culture or like a like a movement. I'm hmm. I'm sure there is there's one I'm thinking of. I, there's one I'm not thinking of that would be. On that note, maybe it's time to rate the album. <laughs> <laughs> Love this band. <laughs> Guys, another lyric on 40 Acres is spirits hanging in a bottle out on a tree. Don't love that visual. And then also they say that you're the black sheep. Probably also an unintentional, not good thing to put on oh, this song. Gosh. Wait, black yeah. sheep? I, I think that has to be an oopsie. That's not an that's not a, on purposey. Oh, okay. So you're pro 40 Acres no. song and their stance. <laughs> No, but black I think sheep. they were both mistakes. Yeah, I think I, know. I think it's just an oopsie doopsie. You know, it's just, it's just delicious to pull out more problematic morsels, and I'm not gonna I'm gonna cancel them. <laughs> Cademan's call. This band that's not put out an album in ten years, Caroline Coming Ely is putting you on notice with her low to mid level podcast. <laughs> we are canceling you. Um, and to be clear, the you know for those that may be confused about the meaning behind the name Cademan's Call, uh, it was inspired by there's this tale of an Anglo-Saxon cow herder who's a monk. Even this story is like I don't know how you guys can stomach this band who lived. Oh my god, <laughs> lived in the seventh century. Okay, let me just let me just get this out, baby. Legend has it that Cademan was afraid to sing in public due to a lack of musical talent and shied away from occasions where he had to sing. He lay down in the Web pasture with away. the cattle. To what's that? I wish Derek Webb had shied away. Whoa! <laughs> we should send this to him. 
Uh, he, <laughs> he'll respond, I'm sure. He laid I mean, down the after passion. Kevin Max responded to my tweet, I am a little bit it's afraid. It's all on the table. I've, They're I'm all like, listening to us, I'm pretty us, sure guys. they actually might. Kevin might Max listen. is a reply guy, though, I think, fully. <laughs> yeah. Uh, an angel appeared to him as he lay down asleep in the pasture in a dream, calling him to sing. After refusing, he eventually decided to sing, and when he did... He sang beautiful verses that had never been heard before. His songs were in the local vernacular language at the time when all other Christian songs were in Latin. And the founding band members, Cliff, Danielle, and Aaron, decided on the name Cademan's Call after all three heard this story during the same week and thought it was fitting. And for those wondering, um, for the you know for the listener at home, what exactly it was, because it's one thing... To hear it and like, oh, okay, he he was singing in their vernacular. What would that even be? What would that even sound like? But we we did obtain audio uh, from that. And Cademan and Cademan singing does in the local vernacular sounds like this. <laughs> so every time you hear that song, think of Cademan. And think of his call. Okay, we got to offer this. a rebuttal. One Direction. They just picked a name. They were like, "We're five guys who are on One Direction." Boom. That's the story. Let's go rock out. You know, like, come on. Yeah, let's say I. That's uh, you know, I understand that. I understand that perspective. Okay. Uh, we're gonna give it a roast to toast for space between holy roast. We're gonna say to this band, uh, sorry, but no, 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 no. Holy toast. We're gonna say okay, and maybe go. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. There it is. And then maybe neither, and we put it in. Space between. And we'll start with Caroline. <laughs> uh, I what wonder what she's gonna say. Confident roasts of my life. <laughs> Wow! <laughs> is this the most you've ever hated a band we've done? I don't know. I can't remember. It, this band wiped memories from my, oh my, <laughs> from my brain. <laughs> wow! All right. Um, I truly wish them well. I uh, I can see that they were important at a time. I could see the lyrics being important. I found it very, very bad. <laughs> That's it. That's you know what, and you're entitled to that. You're Thank entitled you. to your. Never mind. Predictable <laughs> opinion. Excuse me. Uh, we turn it to Amy. Well, I was thinking about this before tonight, and if it, if I were just giving it a nostalgia vote, of course I would send it up to heaven. But listening to it this week. I listened to it once and enjoyed it. And then when I started playing it the second time, I really couldn't bear to keep listening to it. That's so interesting. I know. I. So, yes, my 15-year-old self. Well, no, I was older than 15 when this album came out. My 18-year-old self liked this album. Uh, but for now, I might have to put it in the space between. A space between. You know what? Sorry, Kev. D- hey, listen, Amy. Better than you expected. <laughs> Check it out. 
I'm right there with you. I'm putting in the space between. Wow. The aesthetic play. It's not like, listen, Cameron's call isn't my dad. We're not. <laughs> this isn't personal at all. It's, I'm nominally invested in this outcome. This is a. Then vote your conscience. I am. This, I am voting my conscience. This is an imaginary structure for a podcast we created to give it some semblance of flow. Okay, it, if you're comfortable with Kademan's call being in charge for the next four years, go ahead. <laughs> give me your space between. No, I'm just I'm not voting against them. I'm just not voting for them. It's different. It's a it's a it's a it's a conscience driven. Do not vote third party this year. Do not Don't vote third vote party for, this year. Yeah. That's all Kevin, I have to say. I hope that the fence you're sitting on pokes you hard in the butthole because it's a bad vote. Whoa. Hey, listen. No, I'm not advocating Amy, in the 2020 election that people I, go in the space this does not between. Apply to you. Vote for dead guy and the cop. Do it. Come on now. Like we gotta get things Wait. different, right? Okay. Uh, now. Now, we're not the final word. Go to at Christian Fun Fun. <laughs> Give it a roast or a toast yourself. Get out there and Pokemon go to the polls. Ballers. And don't go to the space between when you get there, baby. If any of you vote for Kanye, even as a joke, I'll personally come find you. Do you know anyone who voted for uh, Cademan's call to you? Andrew McMuffin. What was that guy's name? Third party? McMullen. Evan. Evan Evan. Andrew McMuffin. (laughs) The disrespect. I'm so sorry. Oh, I know quite a few people who voted for him. Really? And you know what? On an encouraging note, I know quite a few lifelong Republican voters who have said, Hmm. I'm voting for Biden this year. (laughs) Like, I just can't do it. I know. I know. I know. Give them strength. I I remember recording a podcast right before the 2016 election, and now I'm doing it again, and it all feels very cursed. But Amy, we're dimming the lights and we're lighting the candles here, (laughs) and we're turning into a more worshipful space, and we're here to not promote ourselves or our books that tie in directly with the show we're here to lift them up oh my lord and she is legitimately she is creating a contemplative space lighting a candle a small taper candle oh my lord that? and we start with caroline as per usual folks don't listen to kademan's call watch a tv show <laughs> hey you're done hey <laughs> leave them alone you you spoke your piece i don't know i'm like still feeling something to do that uh I want to lift myself up at Caroline's Farts and then um, a couple HBO Max shows to listen up for the lucky few. Um, I May Destroy You. We already kind of lift that up, but I got to keep lifting it up again. The finale's almost here. It's very good. Um, it's unlike anything I've ever seen. It's great. And uh, another show I really... Sorry, I, I took my headphones off. What did you lift up? Oh, so you can't give your cool opinion on what I said? <laughs> Let me rest for once. <laughs> did you just lift up? I just discovered this movie. It's called Casablanca. <laughs> I hate you. <laughs> oh, what if it was? Um, and the second show I'm going to lift up is Perry Mason. Get into it. It's fun. Yeah. Kevin, <laughs> shut up. Oh my God. I don't even have an opinion on Perry Mason. <laughs> oh, thank God. I just think it's, it's funny. Relief. <clears throat> I it love Matthew funny. Reese. I, it's it, funny to watch Perry Mason, but it's a good show. All right. Thank you, Caroline. We turn it to Amy. 
Video, video. <laughs> I'm so sorry, Amy. It is 1030 where you are. I feel so bad. Oh, my bad. goodness. Okay, yeah. we'll wrap it up. No, it's no, this is super fun, um, but I'm bringing it down. You can yes, lift me up on Twitter at Amy L. Peterson, at Instagram at Amy Pete, and you can buy my book, Where Goodness Still Grows, wherever books are sold. Um, I want to lift up. So uh, Jamila Woods has been putting out some singles recently mm-hmm. about black writers who have influenced her. So the most recent one is Zora for Zora Neale Hurston, I think, or um, Sula um, for the novel Sula. But they are super fun. I love her album Heaven as well. Um, so I lift those songs up. Hell yeah. yeah! I have to also say Amy is an amazing writer. I really enjoyed Dangerous Territory. Please get her books. They will not disappoint. They're very good. Buy her oh, books. Thanks, Caroline. GCF Don't endorsed Don't listen to Cademan's call, but buy my book. Right. <laughs> there are two paths. We've so, never you know, come out so hard. Aside from Carmen, <laughs> I guess the band that like, I get it. It's just Tell you what. This is just the hashtag mood Caroline was in today. Yeah, I think so. I'm with an old friend. It feels like you know I can loosen up a little bit, yeah, my hair not, down. It's not a first a date. It's a third date. It's uh, this great. one. Get honest. I, I understand. You can lift me up at Kevin T. Porter everywhere. I'll lift up a show that made me feel great watching it. Uh, it felt like punching me in the gut. No, Caroline. It's called Love on the Spectrum on Netflix, oh, okay. and it's about people on the autism spectrum and. <laughs> faces you were making <laughs> uh, that, i heard that show's really good what's that i heard it's really good it's really lovely i think mm. it's uh it's incredibly touching i think to see it's australian it's about a bunch of sweet humans who are just looking for love and it was very deeply affecting to me uh, for a lot of different reasons that are best experienced by watching it and not by me recounting it uh, at 10.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. <laughs> you can lift us up at Christian Fun Pod everywhere. Go to patreon.com slash goodchristianfun and you can leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Every review you leave, we donate a dollar this month to the Black Lives Matter charities. Amy Pearson, thank you so much for joining us on the show, friend. Thanks, you, Kevin, and I'm sorry, Caroline. (laughs) Apology accepted. And there's nothing left to say except for, in all of Pod's people said, Amen. Amen. Uh, Amy, what is a good Cademan's Call or otherwise song to go out on? Oh, that we should go out on? For this episode. I wasn't prepared for this question. Yeah, pick um, one of their good ones. Well, we should go out on Daring Daylight Escape. Okay. Okay. This that, is the, that'll this, be our escape. This is the yeehaw one. <laughs> I wish I could make a Daring Escape. Okay. If you play the song backwards. leave you. Yeah. If you play the song backwards. It says Caroline sucks. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. I'll take it. Just kidding. Okay, we'll see you next week. Goodbye. Bye. That was a headgum podcast. <laughs>